We're really excited to have Pastor Nate back teaching with us today, and he'll be also giving us a missions update on his nonprofit OLC, Oakland Leadership Center. So today's teaching and scripture reading is from Psalm 130. If you'd like to follow along in our Pew Bibles, this is on page, I actually didn't write it down, so <laughs> someone can shout it out. One, yeah. 518. Thank you. <laughs> a Song of Ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. And if you could please give Pastor Nate a warm welcome. Thank you. Hey, good morning. All right, hey, it is good to see some of you who I haven't seen in a long time, and it's an honor. There's always something sobering and honoring about the privilege of speaking about the scriptures up here, and sometimes I forget it, and then I have this moment of the sacred words that God's given us, and this space in a community's life to sit here for a few moments. Um, would you pray with me again, and let's just pray for this, these few moments we have together. God, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that we made it here this morning. And this morning as we take a breath and pause, would you remind us that we are loved by you? Would you remind us that your grace is sufficient for us? Would you remind us that you are present with us even now? And God, I ask that you would use this text of Psalm 130 to, to teach us. Um, would your spirit speak to us uh, this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I, on the morning before I preach, I like to go over my notes and pray for a few minutes. And I was thinking, I haven't been here in a while, and I had, I, always use, I often use this Bible, and I realized this is a Regen Bible. I think I stole it. So I think it came from over there. Um, but I like it. It has big font for me, for my aging eyes. And, um, but it was a good reminder of, of the joy of coming back here and using this Bible that I'm pretty sure I stole from you guys. Or I just used it enough where it became mine. Um, but just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, right? Like recently, we celebrate Easter, and churches all over the world have this point of remembering the cross and remembering the resurrection. And it's often, you know, the biggest Sunday of the year, and it's joyful, and it's hopeful, and we enjoy it. And I've been wrestling with this idea that we need to be reminded of God's hope over and over again, right? Not just on Easter, but to be reminded of resurrection and to be reminded that we do have hope because of Jesus. Amen? Like we, we do have hope, not just Easter Sunday, but throughout the year. This, this hope that we have in God. And I don't know if you're, it's funny seeing people I haven't seen for a while and it's like, oh, how have you been? And it's like, well, it's been like this, right? And this, and then this happened, and then this, and then this happened, and then, I mean, this happened. And, and I, through it all, right, we try to remember that God is with us. 
right? Like we, like we seek to be mindful that God is with us in all of it and God is present and God is hope through all of it. So before we get to Psalm 130, um, I want to read briefly from the very beginning of 1 Peter. Um, and I'm fascinated by Peter because his life was definitely had twists and turns and up and downs. Going from a fisherman to one of the, like the inner circle of Jesus to denying that he even knew Jesus to having these healing conversations with the resurrected Jesus. His life was wild. And he wrote this in the beginning of his letter to churches. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So I'm, I want to read it again. He said, By his great mercy, so God with all this mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. And this is simple, right? We can say, well, that's kind of Christianity 101. But like this reminder, like God's great mercy, this resurrection gives us like a living hope. Not a dead hope, not a hope far, far away, not a hope somewhere in a theological cloud, but a, a living hope through the resurrection. So this morning, I want to look at Psalm 130, weave in some ministry updates from, from the ministry that I feel God has called me to, but really I want you to leave having some sort of reminder of the hope we have in the resurrection, a hope that can be in every part of our lives and our day-to-day -day, um, existence, and let us not forget Easter. So a little bit about my kind of ministry story, so some of the stories make sense later. I know some of you, but um, about 14 years ago, my family moved to East Oakland, and was captivated by the idea of, of living in a neighborhood and loving our neighbors and having an urban ministry, especially with young people. So since that time, we've had twists and turns and, and, up, and ups and downs in our neighborhood and with ministry we have done. But I spent a lot of time coaching basketball because I found that to be the best way for me to interact with a lot of young people and to be in their lives and to know them and to know their families and to kind of care for them and pray for them. And I spent a lot of time in um, like one-on-one -on -one mentoring, sitting in coffee shops or at lunch or sitting somewhere and just talking and loving and speaking or discipling, or just being in people's lives. And I enjoy it. This last year, I've spent more time partnering with some churches around spiritual formation curriculum and some guest preaching and doing spiritual direction with folks, including pastors around the Bay Area. And this last week, I just got to be a part of a, there's a program called Soul Care, which is for pastors and ministry leaders, for their, their own souls, for their spiritual lives. And Pastor Albert's gone through it and a number of Regen staff, and they asked me to help with it. And this last week, I got to sit with about 30, 36 pastors and ministry leaders as they completed a nine-month process of really learning how to pray for themselves, learning how, to, learning how to be hopeful, learning how to know God's presence in their daily life so they, they can sustain their ministry. And this thought kept sticking in my mind that whether you're a 15-year-old young man who plays basketball in East Oakland, or whether you're a 45-year-old pastor who's very successful in Silicon Valley, all of us need to be reminded that there is hope. Like there is hope that God really is with us right now. And we all need to be reminded, no matter who we are, that God's presence is with us. Right? That God is not in the clouds, that, that God is present. God is active in our lives. God is actively, actively loving us, giving us grace and mercy and speaking to us like day after day. And some of those fundamental needs are, are very similar. 
whether you're 12 or 15, whether you're in the hood or whether you're in the hills or Silicon Valley, this need to day by day be reminded of God's hope. To be, and then to work out how do I integrate what I know of God and how I, how I listen to God in my everyday existence. So with that, I want to read Psalm 130 again because it's short enough to read again. I think it's so beautiful. So if you want to turn to it in, in a Bible, Psalm 130, or if you just want to listen, either way. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. I love that, plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So I want to go really verse by verse through this for a few moments and, and pause and reflect on it and then tell you a story about how something that's given me hope um, in ministry lately. But this first verse, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. When the scriptures speak of the depths, it often refers to the depths of the sea. Like the, the depths. So think of if you've ever seen like a, like a thing on TV about like the very bottom of the ocean. Have you ever watched, like turned the TV and seen some kind of special on like the dark bottom of the ocean? It always seems so scary to me. But this is this idea that the depths, like out of the depths, I cry to you, God. So the writer, David, is saying like, I am in the depths. Like I am down here and down here it is dangerous. Right? And there's evil and there is danger and I am far away from, it feels far away from God. But out of the depths, I cry to you, God. Out of the depths, I cry out and say, God, hear me. So I want to start off by saying in those moments where we feel like we are in the depths, where we are far away and where it is dangerous and where it is painful, like we cry out to God. And there are moments when folks, whether you're a 15-year-old in East Oakland or a successful pastor, where when you get in the depths, some folks don't want to cry out to God because they feel ashamed or feel like, I'm not, I know, I don't even want to tell God what's going on. I don't even want to tell my friends what's going on. But I, I want to say to you, whether you've, been in, whether you've been in depression for a year or whether you're having a bad morning or somewhere in between, when you hit the depths, man, we cry out to God and say, God, Hear us. Verse 2. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. One of the things I always love about Psalms is how raw and emotional they are. Just how real they are, right? They're just so real. It's a real human going through real pain, crying out to God. And where I grew up in the church I went to, in the Christian school I went to, I was taught to be more proper with God. Was anybody else like kind of grow up like that? I was just like, I need to be proper with God, be polite, right? Keep it like a nice prayer in front of people and in front of the pastor, youth pastor, and a nice prayer. And I remember being um, in a, like a small men's group in my 20s, and we were praying, and people were starting to be honest in this group, right? Like honest with God and praying together, praying for each other. And somebody says, oh God, what? And he cussed. 
He was like, God, and, and, but it was like in a pure like, moment of like, why is this going on, God? And I was like, oh my, he can't do that. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't say that word. That's a bad word. He didn't curse God, but he just used a word. But it, it reminds me of this idea of like, you see coming out in David, right? Like he's not giving a pretty prayer to God. Okay, no, he is saying this, let's be real, <laughs> right? God, I'm in the depths and I need you to hear me. Like, I need you to hear me right now. Like, I, I need you. Honestly, truly, I, I need you. I need you to hear what I am saying right now. In verse 3 to 4, he says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And again, I think if I asked everyone in this room, you would say, I know that God's a God of forgiveness. I know that God's not sitting up there just marking my sins. I know that God forgives. But it's something that we need to be reminded of, right? As we keep making mistakes, and as some of us deal with shame or guilt around those mistakes, or as we have moments where we feel like we're stuck in certain mistakes, right? Churches are full of people, I've found, especially like in direction and in places like soul care or places like one-on-one where people who just keep coming, but there's stuff in their life that they don't want to look at or don't want to admit or don't want to tell anybody about and they feel ashamed about, And we take that and we say, man, we serve a God of forgiveness. Like, you're not stuck. Like, we serve a God of forgiveness. We serve a God who still loves you. Like, we serve a God who looks at you and is not just sitting up there knocking, you know what I mean? Okay, one more, one more. We serve a God who is loving you, who wants to talk to you. That is the God that we serve. Verse 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. In these ancient times, there would be people who were the night watchmen, whether it was watching the animals out or whether it was watching the edge of the village or the city, but there was a real need to be up late at night and to watch. If it was an enemy or something coming, you actually had to stay up all night. Think of young guys I know who work, who work security all night, and it just, sounds, oh, it just sounds awful. Or night shift, nurses I know who work a night shift. But imagine being out there on the hills, and you had to stay awake, right? You were really serving your whole people or, or whoever it was, and you're up there all night, and you're waiting, and you know your shift is over when the sun rises, right? So can you get that feeling of like waiting? You're looking, you're making lookout, but you're like, oh, when the sun comes up, I get to go home and go to bed, right? So you're just like watching. And you know it's going to come, because the sun always comes up, right? So you, but you're like, it's going to take a long time, so you're just waiting, and you're watching, and you're looking around, and you're watching, and you're watching, and you're tired, and you're tired, and you're waiting for that sun that you know is going to come up. So David says, wait, wait for the Lord. Trusting that God is there. Trusting that God will be there. Maybe not in the time we want, Maybe not in the way we want, right? But trusting, waiting, watching for God and God's movement. Like the, the faith of knowing that that sun is going to come up. Knowing that God is there. Knowing that God is there with us. Waiting and watching for God. Verse 7 and 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. 
and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. I want to look at those two phrases. Steadfast love. Right? On earth, a lot of the love we receive has conditions. Right? Because and all of us humans have our brokenness, and we seek to love each other, but the reality is we often mess up. Is, am I true, or is it just me? Like, in human, we fail, we mess up, we let people down. But God's love is, it's a steadfast love, right? It never stops, it never ceases, it never wanes, right? His love never just decreases because of what we do or don't do. It's a steadfast love, a deep love for us every single day. And with him is plentiful redemption. Like, not a little bit of redemption, right? Like, I'll redeem you, but like, it's plentiful. A redemption that is for, offered to humanity, offered to us. And as we seek God, and as we repent, and we turn to God, He can redeem anything. So I say to you this morning, don't give up on God's love. Don't give up on God's power. Don't give up on God's power to redeem. Don't give up on God's power to redeem your story, like your narrative. Don't give up on God's power to redeem your family, your children, your parents, your difficult relationships. God can redeem those things. God can redeem your children. God can redeem your friends. God can redeem the things wrong with our town all around us. God has the power of redemption. So let us hold on to this kind of hope. So with that in mind, I want to tell you a story that I, I realize has reminded me of God's hope, and it is probably the best thing I can tell you to give you a ministry update, which I'm supposed to do this morning. So in my work in Oakland, I have met and spent time with a lot of young people of different ages, and a lot especially young men, like college age-ish around Oakland. And there's moments when I love it, and there's moments when I am so frustrated, because I, to be honest, there's moments when I have spent months and months and months or years, and then had someone's life fall apart, right? Or then have someone get shot, then have someone go to jail, then have somebody make a horrible choice. Like that, and it's like, I just spent two years meeting with you, you know, every other week and praying for you, and like, why does this happen? So if I'm honest, I have these moments of like, God, where are you in that? Because I don't understand why that is happening to this person. I don't understand what's going on, God. Like, but you say to have hope. So I, I wrestle with it in a, in a real, like, honest way. But there's this guy, this guy I know, his name is not John, but I'm going to call him John, okay? And I asked him this week if I could tell a little bit of his story, um, because he's important to me, and his story gives me hope. So I asked him this week, we were in a gym, and he was getting ready to play basketball, and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. It, I said, it's really kind of weird, it might sound random, but can you bear with me? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. Nate, what do you need? And I said, so I want to tell your story. I'm going to preach, and I, I want to tell your story. I won't say your name, but I, I want to tell your story because I think... I've seen God work in you, even if you don't see it, and I pray for you all the time, and, and you're still here, and you're still with me, and it, it means a lot to me. He's like, yeah, you can, you know, you can do that. That's cool. So um, I met this guy, we'll call John, big athletic guy from Oakland, um, played at a, lo a local high school basketball in Oakland, and I met him during the pandemic. So you remember when everything was shut down, like in Oakland, like especially anything athletic, which like all the gym, you couldn't do so much stuff. And it was hard for a lot of people in a lot of different ways, right? That, that time period, hard for a lot of us, maybe for some more than others. And I started doing basketball workouts outside. We hopped a fence 
in Alameda, like halfway between Oakland and Alameda, hopped a fence and had a bunch of guys like 18, 19, 20 outside on a blacktop. And we were doing basketball and hanging out with these guys, with a friend of mine. And we invited this guy. My friend knew him, invited him. He hadn't played in a while, but he was excited to hang out with us. And 10 minutes into the workout, he just laid down, like laid down exhausted. Like I thought he was going to, he's like, I think I'm going to throw up. And I didn't know him that well. So I was like, are you okay? I don't know. Give me some water. So I like, literally he wouldn't move. So I'm getting him water. And we kind of bonded over that time, I think, when me and him just laid on the, on the asphalt in the sun. And I thought he was going to throw up on me. And he started working out with us. And I started spending time with him. And we spent a little more time together. And we spent some more time together and took him out to eat. And, and we got kind of close and I appreciate him and heard his story, hard things he had gone through in Oakland and in Oakland schools here. Um, but he kept coming back and I kept seeing glimmers of hope, but he had a lot like to work through in life. But we kind of became close. And then we actually started working out in the gym back here, in the regen gym across the street. He would come like three times a week and we would play and hang out and just, and just sit and talk and be exhausted after for like a long time. I had a brunch right over here, whatever this great brunch spot is that I'm sure you all know. Had brunch over there. He didn't like it that much, but we had a good time talking. And then he calls me one day, and I'm starting to feel hopeful. Like, I think he's going through, I think he's going to be okay. He calls me. He's like, I'm in the hospital. I got shot. He's like, I was just visiting somebody in my old neighborhood where I grew up, and I was at night, and someone just was shooting at somebody else who I was talking to. I had nothing to do with me, and I got shot. I, I think I'm okay. So I'm just like, what? He's like, no, I'm leaving the hospital. I'm sorry, are you okay? Yeah. Kind of, you know, he's not okay, though, but he's alive. Right? So he gets out of that, and then it turns out a whole other story is he ends up, he has three bullet wounds in his side, and he gets to the hospital, and they're starting to treat him, and then the police came and cuffed him, because they said, well, we know you had something to do with it. He said, I, I just was there. And he said, no, you were. So they, they cuffed him while he's being treated for gunshot wounds to add insult to injury. Then he's recovering. I'm trying to hang out with him. I'm calling him. I'm texting him. I'm praying for him. I'm, you know, trying to meet up with him, but he's, he's depressed again. He, he, you know, he's trying to get out of bed. He's trying to do stuff and he can't do the one thing that brings him some joy and kind of brings him with community. So this goes on for a few months. He finally starts playing again. He gets, gets back in the gym. Things are going better. And I had this moment where his, his high school coach talks to me and says, I think playing with you just might save his life. It was this weird moment where I didn't think this coach thought that way. And he said, I, I think I think he's going to save his life if he keeps hanging out with you guys. Like, I think it's that important that he keeps hanging out with you guys. Then I started coaching at Ohlone College in Fremont with a dear friend of mine who's a Christian and views it as ministry. And we got him with us and he started working out with us. A lot to work through still, but he's working out and he's getting in better shape. And he's really enjoying like the weight room sessions and just being with people, you know, in a, in a community of like encouragement and people. And he's really, he's thriving. He's enjoying it so much. And then somebody else is about to get a dunk. So I know a few of you watch basketball because you asked me about it. But there's a thing called the chase down block where someone's about to dunk and they're running and you think, I can chase them and block that. I can get there. At this point, more athletic guy gets it. He's sprinting toward the basket. And John thinks, I see him, think, I can catch him. Which I'm like, you're not in shape for that, but I love that he's going for it. Sprints at him. They jump. They collide in the air by the rim. Falls down. Tears something in his knee. So he's like finally, you know what I mean? He's finally got to this point where he's in class and he's around good people and we're having a good relationship, right? And like things are getting better and him and his family is getting along, but like it's going to be okay. And then he tears his knee and he, he goes into depression. Then he has surgery. And I had this moment of, he got out of surgery and I was able to meet him there and sit and his mom, 
I said, is it okay if I just pray for him for a while? She's like, yes, please, you know, like, please pray for him. So I prayed and prayed, not just for his knee, but for his life, right? For his life, for his soul, for his physical health, his mental health, his spiritual health, that he'd be okay. And then it took months and months to get back, months and months to get back and back in the gym. Finally, is back in there. So this week when I was like, dude, I I need to tell your story because like somewhere in, in my life of ministry, and somewhere in how I see the world and how I see Oakland, like, I think about you, and I cannot believe you are at practice today. Like, the fact that you are at practice, and you are alive, and we have a beautiful relationship, and I get to be with you, and I'm like, I don't know if you know, but I pray for you, like, all the time. Like, all the time. It's so meaningful to me that you are in this space. And I almost started, like, you know what I mean? I'm trying not to tear up, because we're starting practice, and I'm like, trying to, but I'm like, you need to understand your story gives me hope, man, because you're still here. And you could easily not be here. And is his life perfect? No. Is everything? No. But I saw in that moment, like this little glimmer of, God, there is hope, isn't there? Like God can do anything. Even in the points where it seems like it's done, like this story. No, like God can redeem your story. God can redeem your narrative. God can rescue somebody who seems so far headed one way and life is not going to work. And God can redeem that. God can bring hope in the middle of that. So for you this morning, I want to take a moment and ask you, could you just take a breath, take a moment and consider what does hope look like in your life? What is the part of your life that maybe you've written off? Or the part of someone you know that maybe you've written off? Or the part that is frustrating or the part that is hard or the part that you're like, I don't this part over here. And I want to remind you that the scriptures and the story of Jesus and Peter and the Psalms say there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Amen? Through the resurrection, through Jesus. This morning, we're going to pause and remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I believe you have elements But if you don't, Stephanie has some elements for communion this morning. So if you could go ahead and just, actually she's going to come in in a second. You could go grab some. But we have the elements. So if you want to reach out and grab some real quick. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians as we kind of prepare our hearts. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if you haven't already, go ahead and partake. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And as we take this Lord's Supper, let us pause to truly remember and honor the sacrifice of Jesus, the body and the blood. And then, as we move into a moment to singing, to worship through song, let us also remember the hope that we have because of the resurrection. I'm going to pray for us. And I believe there's some folks who would be happy to pray with you um, up here in the front rows 
as well. But let me pray and we'll move into a time of worship. God, thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for your love. God, I ask that in this sacred moment of pausing and remembering the body and the blood of Jesus, God, would your spirit speak to us? God, let us be honest with you. Let us be vulnerable with you. Let us be honest about the things that are hard, the things that are painful, and let us cry out to you in a real way. Cry out to you trusting that you hear us, trusting that you love us, and trusting that there is always hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Amen.